Hello and welcome to FTD Talk. My name is John James and I am a writer and campaigner for male victims of female perpetrated domestic violence. Today we talk to Nick about emotional and psychological abuse, dangerous forms of abuse as they leave no scars, therefore no evidence, but the trauma that it causes is an invisible pain that can last for decades. I hope you find it interesting. Hey Nick, welcome to FTD Talk. And um, can we start by, by me just asking you a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course you can. Um... Obviously, my name's Nick. Um, I live in Worcester. I haven't always lived in Worcester. I, uh, I moved down here uh, approximately two years ago. Um, and um, I'm a car mechanic uh, working in the, uh, the local area. Um, again, got back into it recently. And um, I, 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 yeah, I love it down here. It's uh, it's definitely yeah, uh, it's definitely a, a positive in my life. Definitely moving away from where uh, where the issues all happened. And can I ask you about the those issues? Uh, first of all, how did you meet your, what was to become your abuser? It's, it's a difficult one. Um, a lot of people um, don't really uh, understand what's going on um, when I say my abuser, um, because I don't think she even knows that she's doing it. Um, purely because it was uh, there was never any physical abuse, it was all emotional and um, and oh, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, and psychological. It was it was always about running me down, and it was never about physically harming me. Now um, you can't really see from this video, but I'm not a particularly small person. Um, I'm quite strong. I'm quite well built, and my ex-partner was a uh, was the opposite. She was small. Um, she was quite thin, and slender, so she was uh, never a physical match for me. Um, mm. But that was the biggest problem. Um, we met uh, years and years ago now, in in the year two thousand, as a um, on a well, I was on a night out, and she'd recently lost a father. So in that instance, she was very vulnerable and she she obviously come across as being very vulnerable. And I, I almost instantly fell in love. Um, we um, we dated for a few months before he asked her to marry me. And then it was it was as if I was trying to save her. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, was, I it was like I was trying to be the hero. Um, but but that has stemmed from um, when I was a teenager, I was uh, I was bullied and um, I grew up in the shadow of two big brothers. Um, so I, I, I always felt not good enough. And obviously, when she came along, she was. Um, she almost needed to me, me to be a superhero. So um, we got engaged quite early, although we didn't get married for a few years. Uh, the plans were to stay together, to have family together and um, and to be uh, and and just to spend the rest of our lives together. We always planned. We always planned this. But 
and I never knew knew this at the time. Um, but my part, my current partner, because she's been through a similar situation with her ex, she pointed it all out to me. And she also yeah. pointed it out that because I was a man, it was it went under the radar. Um, my physical stature means that I shouldn't be emotionally weak. And it, that's the one thing I want to point out from this is because um, I'm a man, it doesn't mean that somebody can't abuse me emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And it, that that's, that scares me more than anything else. Now, um, I spent years with my partner um, just feeling frustrated, feeling like I was never good enough. Do you, you, you understand what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, there was never, um, there was never a, um, she was always subtle with it as well. It was always, there was no, um, there was no uh, public attraction, uh, sorry, not attraction, public um, affection. She always refused to give me a kiss and a cuddle in public. Oh, and I always thought nothing of it. And and I'm um, and I'm set. And I'm, I'd sit there always pining for for her attention, and for her to give me some time, and it would never come. Now, then that would take us. That would end up leading me to getting frustrated, and we'd end up getting arg uh, having arguments. Now I would um, I would struggle in these arguments because I never liked feeling out of control. My yeah. um, my instinct is to try, although the frustration got the better of me at times and I would punch things like walls, doors. Um, I even punched a light switch and broke light switches because I just got so frustrated. Um, but I always managed to control myself and I never hit her. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm big on that. And the reason I'm big on that is um, although we've been broken up for six years now, She's still using the same techniques now because we've got children together. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's still using the same techniques now to try and control me further. And that's another part of why I want to tell this story, because I'm. I'm struggling with the, uh, the fact that I can't. I just can't comprehend why we can't get on and and be. Um, and, and do the right thing for our children. And it's always about needing more control. Well, can, can I um, go, go back to the beginning of the relationship? The relationship was good in, in the beginning, yeah? Yes, yeah. Um, at the beginning of the relationship, she, uh, again, I never knew this at the time. This is all stuff I found out recently. She did something called love bombing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, um, and to be fair, because I'd fell in love with her quite quickly, it was welcomed with open arms. Um, she she did a lot of, um, she used to call me uh, a lot. We used to talk a lot on the phone. Uh, like I say, I asked her to marry me quite early on and everything felt right. Everything felt perfect almost. Yeah. And not only did I ask her to marry me, we planned quite quickly to move in together as well. So, although this was in the year 2000, we moved into our first home together in, month was it, June 2001. Yeah. So, 
So we bought our first house, house together really quickly. But I thought I was doing it to save her. Like I said before, she, she'd got like a, a conflicting relationship with her mum. Yeah. Yeah, her mum was quite controlling, which I, I obviously understand more now than I did at the time. But it was all about trying to save her and trying to and just trying to be for her to be happy. It was always about trying to make her happy. And when did you first think that things weren't quite right? I never did. You never did? <laughs> no. The only Not time it's over. No, never did. She convinced me con uh, totally that everything was normal right up until she cheated on me and blamed me for it and told me it was all my fault. Um, in the midst of all of this, although you say that, I spent a long period of time feeling suicidal um, because I just didn't feel good enough. Didn't feel like I was ever going to be who she wanted me to be. Is that, that in the relationship, Nick? Yes. That you've got suicidal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got married in 2005. Um, in 2006, well, specifically in, on the March 26, 2000, March 26, 2006, I slipped my wrist because I just wow. felt so low. Um, I ended up in hospital. I spent most of the year um, in and out of um, uh, CBT, just trying to sort my head out, basically, because it just I just didn't feel right. And I, I, I used to get so angry so quickly. She convinced me that um, that I just I wasn't uh, in the right frame of mind, uh, that I was probably what mentally ill. What, what led to the suicidal attempt? Just it was a number of arguments, and like I've like I've said, it was just mm. the feeling of just not being good enough. No matter what I did, it just wasn't good enough. Um, I would do everything around the house. I would tidy up. I'd go to work. I would um, I'd provide. Uh, at the time, we didn't have any children, and I just didn't feel like my I was being appreciated. So I just got so low with it. Um, the frustration was the first thing. Obviously, we'd start arguments. I'd feel bad because I'd get angry and I would end up, uh, like I say, punching a door, punching a light switch. And it was just it was just a relentless circle going round and round and round and round to the point where I just felt I just didn't want to be here anymore. Just I, I just wanted to remove myself from the situation and make everybody happier. Not that it would. Sorry, did you not speak to anybody uh, about it before you got that low? No, um, this was in 2005, 2006 when it happened and mental health has come on quite a lot since then. Um, but everyone sort of washed it away uh, as if, yeah, you've got anxiety, you've got depression, we'll throw pills at you. And that's all that happened for, the, for a number of years after that. Um, when I had, when I did cut my wrists and I was in hospital, the... Um, the psychologist that sat with me was not interested in me at all. She was interested on, because I cut myself with a knife, she was interested in um, me being aggressive towards my ex-partner with a knife. Uh, did I, was I going to do anything else with the knife? She wasn't interested in the fact that I'd cut my wrist and what mental state I was in. She was more interested in the fact that I was, was I going to be aggressive um, with it? And that it's that that upset me because that was yeah. never my intention. My intention was to hurt myself and only myself. And the focus was instantly moved away from me and I moved on to 
am I am I abusive? Am I this and am I that? And it's not true. I'm not any of that. I'm just trying to deal with a difficult mental health situation that I'm going through that many people at the time wasn't really understanding. Yeah. It was it was very difficult to sort of get your point across. And if I'm being honest with you, I'm I'm having trouble with it now because I'm having trouble with trying to get the right tr- train of thought on how this all happened. And yeah. following uh, carrying on into that year, things were supposed to have been getting better, but as I look back now they weren't. And um she ended up wanting to get pregnant. Uh, we ended up conceiving our first child that year, 2006. She was born in July 2007. Um, my partner now has pointed out that because obviously I was going through a lot of mental health issues, the um, the train of thought and everybody was focused on me. So obviously getting pregnant would mean everybody would be focused on her. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so we focused on her for a long period of time. Uh, she got bad morning sickness. Again, didn't feel no better at this point. I was still getting over the fact that I cut my wrists. I was still getting over trying to get my head back round it. And things just sort of materialised from there. I ended up feeling suicidal for a long period of time. Um, it was... Whenever we'd have an argument, I'd always feel like I just like I've just said, I'd want to take myself away from the situation. But the one thing that kept me going and kept me sane was the fact that I got a daughter at this point. I got a daughter um, and she was worth fighting for. And and that's and I'm still like that now. And she's 14. I'm still fighting for her now. And I will do until the uh, the the day that I die, I think. You're partner's reaction to your suicidal attempt was was that a, a, a reaction of sympathy did she throw it in your face how did she react um it felt like she threw you are i am talking about like 15 years ago so bear with me while i try and recall the memories but if i'm being honest with you i at the time i probably thought that she was trying to be sympathetic and and caring but if I'm being honest, it was probably more about throwing it in my face, constantly reminding me about it instead of allowing me to, to move on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So at the time I was probably, oh, yeah, she's being sympathetic. But now when I look back, because of the amount of time she brought it up, then it would make me think that she was probably throwing it in my face as if... How would she bring it up? Well, um She'd use statements like, you know what you did. And um, she would hide knives. Um, Yeah, she'd hide knives. So I'd want a knife to cut dinner up or do whatever. Where are all the knives gone? Um, I've had to move move them away. Why? Um, Just in case you get these thoughts again. You you see where I'm going. And then over, over the course of years... Even right up until just before we broke up, um, we were having an argument and I said I wanted to leave. I need to go and get some fresh air. At this particular moment in time, I'll always remember that suicide was never at the forefront of my mind. This was 10 years after this had happened. And she would bring it up. You know what you did. I'm worried about you doing it again. 
well, it's as much as I have had issues with it, I am doing really well. And as soon as I'd start doing really well, it gets thrown back at you as if, yeah, you, yeah, you didn't back then. And it's as, so, as if she doesn't want you to move out of that train yeah. of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but this all pieced, this all it gets pieced together with what my current partner basically keeps telling me that she was using the, using it as a control technique, always yeah. bringing up the bad stuff, never the good. Um, yeah. If you ever did anything good or well, she would never remind you of it. There were many, many occasions where I was, where I would, um, where I would, I'd be really happy with what I'd achieved. And I'd go, oh yeah, look, come and look at this. Almost like a child wanting mum's ap- approval. And yeah. and she'd just ignore it, and she'd just walk straight past it and go, "Oh yeah, I'll have a look in a bit." And it's and those little sentences, those little things, on their own mean nothing, but when they're gathered together, they break your heart. And yeah, yeah there was there was loads of little controlling techniques. Um, sex was a big one. Um, she she would use sex as a reward, and I. Um, and a punishment, so she'd deny it if I'd ever been bad, in her opinion, by the way, and, yeah, yeah. and she'd use it as a reward. Can you define bad in her eyes? Um, no, I can't, to be honest, in my own head. It's difficult to define what she would consider to be bad. Do you know what I mean? Because it was never, never me being bad. Yeah. Sorry, did, she never explain, did, you, did she never explain it to you, why you were bad? No, it was always almost like a secret. Um, And the reason is because of the mental health issues that I have, I would spiral things out of control. That would then mean I would be my own worst enemy. Do you you, you get what I mean by? So I I would end up almost destroying myself. And then when you when I say something to her, you you're causing me to think like this. She would be able to stand there and go, I haven't said anything. I haven't said anything to you. I've not made you feel like that. I've said I haven't said you, you that you should do that. And it's but you've implied it. And yeah, okay. I've gone and thought that maybe that's what you were thinking. But I've only done this because of past experiences. I've not. It's not like the first time this has ever happened. But because of past experiences, I would predict that. You would feel like you would say like something to me like that. So this is what you end up feeling mad because you're trying to explain it to somebody, and it's it's really difficult to explain. It's almost like she's using your mental health issues, knowing you're going to fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My partner she's says that now. Space for you to do that. Yeah, you're not. Um, her biggest weapon against me was silence. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. still uses it now so she doesn't say anything and you end up thinking you end up thinking what's she thinking because <laughs> you don't know what she's saying she'll sit there in silence and that's one of the techniques she still uses to this day so she'll start yeah. an argument with me now regarding the children or start a discussion i'll use inverted commas to the word discussion um about the children where i'll obviously disagree with something and then she will just not answer the question I'll yeah. ask her a question about what she's doing with the kids and she just refused to answer it. 
And then I will ask again and then again. And then once I've asked three or four times the same question, it turns into she'll then say, you're harassing me. Uh, I'm not harassing you. We're just not getting the answer to a question that I consider to be a reasonable question. And the, the arguments, the arguments that made you angry, was that. Were they arguments with substance? Were they about something or was it just a matter of you pushing buttons until you lost your temper? Uh, they they were normally about her pushing buttons until I lost my temper. Um, she she will obviously deny this and she ever uh, ever hears what I have to say. And I have said this to her. Um, I've never hidden anything from her. I always spoke to her. But it was to me, it was always about trying to push buttons to get me to disagree. She would never agree with me. Yeah. And it was never um, again. And I can certainly see that now because she doesn't know she doesn't want to agree because as soon as I disagree, I'm being well, this is a good example of I'm being naughty because I'm not agreeing with her. And it would mm. be a good reason for her to to then accuse me of harassment or being argumentative or. But at the end of the day, having a difference of opinion is not being argumentative. And how long did the relationship last for? 15 years? 15 years, yeah. We. Um, th this is this is the bit that sort of stings quite badly with me because um, I, my focus has always been, um, no matter when the arguments happened, no matter how I felt, my focus was always moving the relationship forward, always trying to improve things and try and make the relationship better for not just me, but for her and the fact that we've got children as well. Um, but on December the 6th, 2015, she had a works night. Um, she'll deny that anything ever happened, but the facts, I know the facts are, uh, she went up to a boss's hotel room. Um, he, he's not from the local area, and um, I didn't even tell you where I was originally from, and that was from Tamworth. Um, and they went on a uh, on a works night out, well, which was Christmas party, and she ended up in his hotel room. Now, I know she was there because she'd phoned me, and I'm pretty confident she was in his room um, because she used the term. I forgot my I forgot my house keys. Uh, sorry, she started by saying, "I'm outside. I forgot my house keys." Now, my Im immediate thought was she was outside the house. So I jumped out of bed at one o'clock in the morning and went straight downstairs. Now, she wasn't there. Now, I thought it was an odd thing for her to say that she was outside. Yeah. So, so I, and being the depths of winter in beginning of December, and I always remember opening the door and it being really windy. Now, if she was outside, I'd have been able to tell from the phone that she was outside. So, um, it was it was all playing on my mind from that moment. And then two days later, I found um, messages on my iPad that she'd been sending to him about. She didn't admit what to what she did, but she used the term what we did. So mm. I know they did something. She tried to say it was just a kiss, but whenever I spoke to her about it, the, the everything was always different. There was never any facts that stayed the same. There was always she was always standing in a different place. She was standing on the on the uh, hotel room stairs. She was standing outside his doorway. There was never any consistency in what she was saying. So obviously that caused a 
um, caused a bit of friction and we had an argument over that a few times. She blamed me for the arguments because now, because I got upset by the fact that she'd cheated, um, I was causing friction at this point. And she just had no, in, she did, there was just nothing about her that wanted to save the marriage at that point. Do you think the changes in story were her bad memory or her deliberately changing the story to screw with your head? I, I, I never, do you know, I've never even thought of it like that. <laughs> um, she's, from what I can tell over the years, I obviously, I knew her quite well. We were together for 15 years and I'm confident she'd never cheated before then. Um, I would say it was probably a memory. Um, yeah. I'd hope it wasn't her trying to screw me in my mind. Um, but now you've said that, I could never write that off. I, I would never write it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been broke up a long time now. My, fo uh, my focus now is to sort matters out because of the children. Um, and the one main reason why I wanted to do this is although we've broke up, she still classes my abuser because she is still trying to use the same techniques now and i don't live with her the only um the only contact we have is via email she she's happy whenever whenever i disagree with her she'll take a step back step um so we, we're not allowed to talk anymore um we're uh, we're not allowed to text message anymore it's all done via email and it's all a it's all a ploy as far as i'm concerned to present fear She's trying to show everybody that she's scared of me when yeah. clearly she isn't. There was, I haven't even touched on these yet, but there was a number of arguments where she would attack me. Um, and the reason I haven't touched on it is because physically I am bigger and stronger and I pushed her off quite easy. Um, more often than not, she would end up getting hurt and I would end up feeling guilty for it. So she knew what she was doing. She knew by attacking me, she would trigger me to well, almost act in self-defence. Yeah. Then she would get hurt and I would feel bad for it. In what way would she get hurt? Well, if I pushed her off, uh, she'd obviously fall against something and bruise her arm or uh, she's kicked out in the past and kicked tables and hurt her toe. Um. And the one occasion where she was physically scratching and yeah, pulling on me because I was trying to get away, she ripped my trousers and hurt her finger in the process. So she would get hurt and I would I, I'd almost feel I'd almost feel suicidal just for that because I'd I'd never wanted to hurt her. It was never a uh, an action that I was ever trying to achieve. I'm I'm not that way inclined. I never have been. Um, my current partner vouches for me now. Yeah, I've got a temper, but I've never physically hurt anybody. So I don't understand why she would want to try and hurt me or claim that I was hurting her. The um, quick te the quick temper, the um, feeling feeling down because you've done something because you've supposedly done something wrong was that did that develop during the relationship or was that were you like that before the relationship it was probably before um like i said i, I grew up in a um 
with two big brothers, so I could never do anything right as far as they're concerned. And um, and I always would, I'd always be, um, I'd always be in the shadows, so to speak. So, yeah, it probably developed. Probably isn't the right word. It probably manifested and probably grew while I was with her. But yeah. But I probably always had a temper, and I always had the uh, the ability to lose control. Is not the right word, but to just to lose, just to lose it. So I, su- I suppose yeah. even before. Can you tell me a little bit about after after the relationship has ended? There's two things that I want to ask you about. Um, one is uh, how was your? I know you say the relationship is still abusive. How was your relationship with your daughter? How many kids have you got? I've got two children. Um, How are your yeah, relationships? This, this is this is another thing when it comes to the um, to the um, the control. Um, there was a uh, there was a third pregnancy, um, but I I struggled because she had bad morning sickness through the first two pregnancies. I struggled with the third, so she blamed me and told me that she needs to abort the third child. Um, I, I struggled with that, something rotten, because I I didn't want a third child to start with, and then I come round to the idea, and then I fell in love with the idea that I was going to be a dad again, and then she took it away from me. Um, and then within a matter of um, within a matter of months after she'd aborted the child, she decided she wanted another one again. So she was playing with my mind all throughout that particular period of time. Um, I have, um, at that point, I decided there was no more children going to happen. Um, so I had a vasectomy to stop stop more children being used as a, as a weapon, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I have two children. Uh, my daughter is now currently 14 and my son is 11. Um, the easier one to talk about is my son. He's... Um, he he deal with he's dealt with it very well. He was only five when we broke up. He's eleven now, um, and he he just sort of gets on with it. He he comes to see me every week. Although Tamworth is a it was a hundred mile round trip to go and pick him up, I see him every week. I always make sure I'm there. Covid seems to be making a mess of it all at the minute, but uh, but I'm I still see him as much as possible. Comes on holiday with me and does everything. My daughter is a different kettle of fish. She is. She has the same emotional attachment to my ex-partner, to my to her mum as I did to her. She, I can see it, and my partner can see it, uh, but she can't. Um, she thinks that mum's the best thing since sliced bread. Although she has used statements like uh, "mum's lied to me before." Um, she can see what's going on. She's just too young to understand. Yeah. And I'm trying. I'm trying to guide her without being too. Um, I've got no intention of turning her against the mom. Uh, she's a mom at the end of the day. She will love her as long as she possibly. Even if there's a problem, I will tell her that she has to love her mother because she can't do anything. She can't, can't get another mom. And um, and I clearly know that. My ex loves my daughter with all her heart. 
she just doesn't understand what she's doing sometimes. And that's the problem I face. The other, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was your present partner. Yeah. Now, I understand that um, uh, she wanted to talk to me at one point about living with somebody who'd been in abused. So how was your relationship with, um, with your present partner and how was your past experience led into this relationship? Um, she's been fantastic, I'll be honest. Um, she's been absolutely brilliant and her understanding is, is just been absolutely amazing because people, like I say, people just don't understand it. Now she understands it from a uh, from obviously a female point of view because she's she's been through an abusive relationship with her ex. Yeah. He was uh, he was similar uh, with the abuse to what my ex is, but unfortunately, well, fortunately, he um, he's not a father. He's he's walked away from his children. And he's more than happy. He's more than happy just um, sitting in the background pretending to be dad. So, um, so we haven't got a fight there with yeah. him, and we sort of he's he, every now and again he crops up with a couple of little issues that we have to deal with. But on the general scheme of things, he's not a massive problem, uh, not anymore. Um, but but her experience with him has helped me understand, and um, and I, I use the term. Um, her, her knowledge of narcissism I use that term uh, I don't like the term because it's, I think it's very suggestive and it's difficult to um, to diagnose anybody with it that just doesn't want to be diagnosed um, but she can point out and uh, she's done a lot of research on the internet she's pointed out to me a lot of um, A lot of narcissistic tendencies that she has such as putting me down and controlling behavior and she's found that within the relationship as well um i wrote diaries during a lot of my low times i wrote diaries and she's picked out parts of that where i was being abused that i just didn't even understand so mm. yeah she's more than happy to um if I'm being honest with you, when it comes to explaining these things um, and what I'm going through, she's probably the better person to talk to because she just understands it. I'm still in a, a bit of a catch-22 situation where I'm trying to see the best in my ex and I end up I end up almost convincing myself that I'm going mad. Yeah. So, yeah. Does your mood get really low still? Not nowhere near like it used to. I, I get a little bit mopey at times and I need a bit of a sulk, but um, but I'm not, I haven't been suicidal for six or seven years now. Um, yeah. I, I think this is one of the reasons why we broke up because I was gaining so much confidence in myself and I was, I was starting to be a lot, a lot less argumentative. I was starting to fish the arguments out and stop them before they started. Um, I've been off antidepressants for probably nearly eight years because they just didn't really work for me. Well, they did, but I was ending up trying to be reliant on them. And I felt that being reliant on, on a medication was not my not the way I needed to do it. So I, I, 
I chose to try and go it alone, and I, I I succeeded it. And I'd like to think that I'm very successful at it as well, because my mood is not like that now. That's quite interesting what you said that um, that you were gaining confidence. Do you think that's why the relationship ended? Yes, because you were you yeah. were getting more control. Yeah. It, it was it was the ability I was gaining the ability to stop arguments in the tracks. She yeah. I, I was seeing that she was um, she was purposely trying to argue with me. And a good example I had was in the year in probably was only a couple of months before we broke up. Um, we went we, we used to go off to bed together, and on this one day um, we went up to bed, and she went, "Oh, I've left your phone downstairs," and I. I went downstairs uh, to go and look for a phone. I couldn't find it. And I, so I stood at the bottom of the stairs. Bearing in mind, we had an eight-year-old and a five-year-old in bed. It wasn't particularly late, 10 o'clock at night. And I um, and I said up the stairs, and, I, and I, I'm speaking to you at this sort of volume. I can't find your phone. To which she then come out of the bedroom, stood at the top of the stairs, and almost shouted down the stairs to not shout. Will you stop shouting? Now. And I'm stood there thinking, I know it's dark, I know it's late-ish, but I'm not shouting. Mm. So I come up the stairs, to which she had a phone in her hand. Well, where have you got your phone from? So I almost, I almost been able to fish out that, hold on, you're trying to start an argument here. So I said, why have you sent me downstairs for your phone? And she went, well, I couldn't find it. I brought it up here early and I didn't realise. Yeah, okay. And then I just got, I started, I felt myself feeling frustrated. But yeah. then I went, no, forget about it, because we just, it's going to end up being an argument. I don't want one. And it was almost like she was fishing for it. Yeah. Now I, I could see it, and I, and that was the ability that I was learning. I was learning to stamp it out before it happened because there was just no need for it. Hmm. And I think, I think I noticed on that occasion and a couple of other occasions that she just, that's what she felt she needed. She needed to argue. I suppose now I look back, it was to make her feel like the victim. Yeah. Yeah. If I got angry and I started to shout back, she was then the victim then. And I was, I was the, I was the abuser, but, and it's that, it's that part of it that made me feel that she's trying to do this um after she had i'll call it the affair but after she had the one night stand um i was very tempted to leave anyway and lo and behold as my partners pointed out when i felt like that and felt like he was in control she would she would turn on the sex card and we'd our sex life would improve yeah which i always i always noticed I noted it because I remember writing it down, but I never realised that's what she was doing until a long time after. Hmm. And then I never pieced it together. And are you happier now? Definitely, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, our relationship's different. Uh, me and my partner joke about. She always uh, makes a joke about um, being physically violent towards me. Uh, but she's not. It's uh, it's more about play fighting and mucking about and, yeah. and just being and being happy in ourselves. Um, we've both 
we've both uh, got we've both been in bad marriages um we've said the only thing that both of us want is to be happy so getting married isn't high on our priority list being happy is so although we're not engaged i wouldn't rule it out but um it's not uh it's not something that we need it's yeah. my partner is engaged to somebody else and i feel for him but he's sucked in by he's now he's now doing my role that i started he's he's the protector he's protecting her from from me and he just doesn't understand he doesn't understand what she's capable of and what does the future hold for you do you think now um, you talk to me at a difficult point in time at the moment, and I, uh, the reason I say that is um, she's. Uh, we've had difficulties over the past few years with um, she's still living in the house that we own together. Um, now I've been pushing her and pushing her to buy me out the house. Uh, to which recently she decided she needed to go on holiday, so I said no, that ain't happening until you've bought me out the house. So lo and behold. Um, over the past few months, um, she found the funds and we've now bought me out of the house. But since that's happened, um, we've now tried to get uh, the uh, the children taken away from me. So um, I'm in court in the next few weeks. Uh, well, it's actually the 1st of December is my court date. Um, where she's trying to get full custody of the children. Um, she's using uh, rape claims, assault claims, um, financial abuse. She's ticked every box she possibly could to try and get it through through court. Um, she's also used this sort of technique to avoid mediation as well. So I've tried to mediate with her a few times and she refuses to mediate. So, so as far as way things stand... Um, with me and my current partner, fantastic. I've got somebody in my corner who's helping me. But as far as my children go, it's a bit more of a it's a bit more of a struggle to get what's actually the right the right answer. Yeah. You, well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Uh, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm happy to say this on camera and on film. I'm confident because it's all lies, and yeah. and then and I know that when the courts ask for the evidence, she cannot provide any. Um, she's she's made like like I say, the big one is the rape claim. She's made a rape claim from 2006. So I kind of like to hear all the details of this because as I explained to you, 2006 was the year I attempted suicide. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what what, what sort of lies she can come up with. So, did that involve the police then? If she made a rape, rape claim, nope. no oh. police report was made. Um, she's this is the what I'm kind of trying to explain. This is why the abuse is continuing now because social services have been involved. Um, how many years ago was it? It was 2017. I had a little incident with my daughter where she was being a cheeky little madam. So I give her a little uh, little tap with my fingertips on the uh, on the back of her head, and uh, that blew up all, all out of proportion. That ended up um, in social services hands. Um, because of the court case that's coming up, um, CAFCAS have been involved, and they asked about this particular 
this particular corporate, this, this social services. I said, yeah, okay. She goes, who was the caseworker? I said, there wasn't one. She says, okay, what's the, what was the case number? Um, there wasn't one. There was no evidence. There was nothing to support any of her claims. And it was dropped as soon as it was, was made. But she still used that instant, instance to stop me seeing the kids for five months. She, oh. she, she used that as a total control technique. You can't see him because I'm waiting for social services. Now, he, we pointed out to her on a n- number of occasions because, as you can imagine, I was, I was on social services case from day one trying to find out what was going on. Yeah. And they told me it takes eight weeks to do a report. So after three months, I was telling her there's going to be no report. And she just went, oh, I'm waiting. And she just she used plausible deniability. She just shrugged her shoulders and went, I'm still waiting for a report. I'm still waiting. And it was only when a, um, a member, a, um, a, child, um, a child support organisation was brought in called Malachi. It was only when they pointed out to her face to face, you've got to make a decision now that social services, if they're involved, they're involved. If they're not, then they're not you'll know at this point and she had to make a decision there and then. And after that day, I started seeing the kids again. So it's, it's an extremely difficult situation where my children are being manipulated into being in the middle of all this and they just don't need to be. Yeah. I think it's difficult um, in any, not just a normal divorce, let alone a divorce that's, uh, that's, you know, come from abuse, especially when you've got kids. Yeah. And I think the kids suffer big time. That's, that's my biggest worry, that the kids are suffering. Like, I, like I've said, my son, not so much. He's taking it on the chin. He's actually, he, he's really down to earth with it. And he's he wants to come and see me every week. He tells me he loves me. He tells me he wants to come and spend extra time with me. My daughter is struggling because I think she's sort of caught in the middle of what do I do to please mum? What do I do to please dad? Uh, what do I do to please? Or, or if I do this, it's going to upset mum. If I do that, it's going to upset dad. She's she is stuck, and the fact that me and her she can't we can't communicate means that her situation is getting worse. I I watch I watch my daughter have anxiety attacks where she just she can't make decisions for herself, and we're talking about what do you want for tea. And we'll have an anxiety attack over it because she just can't make that decision. Wow. So, and I think this is based on the fact that she has seen too many arguments between me and her, the fact that we can't get on now. And this is one thing that I hope, I hope the court can sort out because we need to get on if, if it's for her, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, I hope that you do have a better relationship with your daughter in the future. I mean, when she's 16, she'll be able to do what she wants anyway. Yes. So hopefully. Yeah. Uh, my relationship with my daughter is pretty good. She mm. loves me to pieces and she knows she can come and see me. And she does come and see me. Um, yes. But the worry is she's got too much in the back of her mind. She, it's never it's never clear to her. Now, I understand because I've been through it and dealing with my ex-partner in the same way she's dealing with a mother. So I'm trying to support her in the best way I can. And that's just by being understanding. Cool. Well, I'm, 
I want to thank you for talking to me today. Yeah, yeah. And I, I appreciate it's a very difficult situation. It's a very difficult thing to, to try and put across. But thank you very much for listening. Um, my pleasure, my friend. I think every single story that I hear on this show is so important. There's so many different stories out there. But uh, they all have similar themes running through them. Every single yeah. one. Yeah, so, there's, there's so much I wanted to say, I, I probably should have said and haven't been able to say, partially because well, I'm guessing we haven't got a lot of time and um, it just, they're not always at the forefront of your mind to say these things. And then when somebody points them out to you, you go, oh God, that's so important, I should have said that. And it's such a good lead to say and yeah, and it's it's a very difficult, yeah, it's very difficult to always get across exactly how you're thinking and how you're feeling. But I'll be honest with you, if having a conversation with my partner is very insightful and she is very, uh, very detailed in how she speaks as well. I'll have to talk to her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put her in touch with you again if uh, if you're interested. Yeah, very. Because it's, it's, it's a different point of view to the same thing that I'm going through. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, I've I've seen... I've spoken to, to people from all different points of view. I've spoken to researchers and doctors and, yeah. and authors. And to, to speak to a, a woman who's not only been through it herself, but as a partner who's been through it, that would be a fresh perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get to give you get in touch with you and then hopefully you can arrange something. The only problem with her is she works for herself and she's ridiculously busy. So, uh, <laughs> So trying to find a tie where she's not doing something is going to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I'll slot in with whatever she wants. <laughs> okay, I'll my friend. Very much appreciated. You're very welcome. You Thank take you. care now. And you. Uh, I'd like to speak to you soon. Yeah, take care.